great opportunity to speak to our next guest, who was voted one of Toronto's 50 Most Influential People by Toronto Life magazine. She was a city councillor for 11 years and was chair of the TTC board for three years. She is now the president and CEO of Variety Village, of Variety, the children's charity. Welcome, Karen Stintz. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Any uh, New Year's resolutions? Do you do do those things? You know what? Every every single... (laughs) Every single year, I'm like, okay, this is the year I'm going to try January. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll pick February because it's a short month. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes March and then April and then May. Is that what happens? March, April. <laughs> well, then it's summer. Right. <laughs> you can't do that. Right. <laughs> so, you know, but it's still a goal. It's still yeah. it's aspirational. It's aspirational for 2023. Well, you know, it's you're, it's December 31st. So there you go. You still have time. It can, it can happen. Time, right? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't broken my resolution. There you go. Yet. There you go. <laughs> I uh, I sometimes do it, and then halfway through the month, I forget what my resolution was. <laughs> that usually yeah, I, happens with me. So, um, oh damn! Right, I had a resolution. I was supposed to do that. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Do you miss politics, Karen? I don't miss being an elected official. I'll be honest yeah. with you, because it's a, it can be a tough job. Yeah. And um, but the issues, I actually I I do miss. Debating and discussing discussing the issues um, because there's a lot of them and they impact people's lives and it's still I still get um, I, you know passionate about it I still get interested about it I still want to learn more about those issues so there's there's parts of politics I do miss but uh, but the idea of being a politician is not something I miss at all yeah you wouldn't run for mayor again no 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 no, no, no. you're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no. It actually, when I left politics, it it took about a year to recover from being in that bubble yeah. of you know of of thinking that that um, that it just it's a strange place when you're under the microscope of the issues that you're responsible for, and so you think those issues are actually all that matters. And but the reality is, people live busy lives; they have things going on, and uh, it took a little while to reintegrate into the world of normal. Yeah. And you kind of, politics, I always find is very interesting because as a politician, you kind of become a celebrity in a weird way when, you know, you're, you're really passionate and you're, you know, you're working for the city, but also people just see you kind of, did you find that like, as you're in this bubble that people are looking at you kind of as a celebrity a little bit? Well, not as a celebrity necessarily, but I found that people would um, feel that they knew me. Yeah, and so you know they because they heard me on the radio or they saw me on television or something in some context, and so they feel very comfortable coming up and saying, "Oh, hi, hi, Karen, I saw you here, I saw you there," and they 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 approach me with this sense that we're friends or they know me somehow. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know who they are. Right, I don't know where they. Are. <laughs> How do I know you? Yeah, and so so that part took a bit of getting used to, um, and and it happens much less now, uh, which is which is. I'm okay with, um, but there's still the odd person that will just say, oh, you know, I saw you on Steve Pagan, I heard you on the radio, and uh, with this familiarity that they think that they, they feel that they know me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, also the fact that you um, are so passionate about the issues just shows how much you love the city. So what is it about the work you do now at Variety Village uh, that has kept you there for the past seven years and obviously is a passion of yours? It is. You know, I... Um, I was very lucky to land at Variety Village after I exited politics. 
And, uh, you know, I joked, well, I couldn't be mayor of the city, so I'll be mayor of the village. And uh, it's really, it's it's a fantastic place. And I've learned a lot and I continue to learn while I'm there, which is why I stay. Mm. And, you know, these kids are really inspirational. And I've learned as well about how to, you know, be part of a team in a real way. Because in politics, you, it's it's a different kind of team that you're on. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when you're leading an organization, so it's been, for me, very rewarding because, you know, seven years I've seen these kids, I've seen some of these kids grow from, you know, being being three to being 11. Mm. Um, I've seen, you know, these kids go to Sweden to compete in the World Cup of Volt Hockey, which is adapted hockey. And, uh, you know, I know their families. And so it's, uh, it's really, it's been really remarkable. What what do you think people need to understand or know about Variety Village that they don't quite understand about it and what and what you do there? Yeah, it's um it's it's actually it's got an amazing history, Variety Village. It's uh it's been there in the community for over seventy years. And I mean I, I guess I would the first and foremost, I'd like people to appreciate that it's not Value Village. Yeah. <laughs> do you get that? Do people call it Value because they get the words mixed up? Yeah, well, they ask me if I take clothes donations. Oh. I'm like, no, 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 we're a variety village. Yeah. And uh, so it was built actually as a school for boys with disabilities mm-hmm. 70 years ago um, because boys couldn't, they weren't accepted in the mainstream school system for um, getting an education. But the founders of the charity that built the facility knew that every child needs an education regardless of their abilities. Mm-hmm. So for 30 years, it was a school. And boys and then girls from all over the province came and uh, they received an education, skills training. We actually had um, facilities where we produced prosthetics so that they mm-hmm. could, the children, once they graduated and became young people, they could then have a job. And then luckily, you know, luckily, thank goodness, the school boards opened up and realized that all kids needed an education. So our purpose as a school was no longer required. And that's when we became a, a multi-complex sports training facility for parasports. Wow, I did and not know it, that. Yeah, and so what's another interesting fun fact is that um, since the late 1970s, Variety Village athletes uh, or coaches have been representing Canada at every single summer Paralympic Games. Wow, wow, which is great. So now we're um, we're we're more open to the community, and uh, we do have seven uh, para teams that train there, but we also have adapted sports and more grassroots programming. But um, we've also realized that, you know, not every kid can come to Scarborough. Not every kid with a disability can come to Scarborough. So we've expanded our programming throughout the province. That's amazing. You know, um, as someone who I I run a very small charity compared to uh, Variety Village, but um, I'm always amazed at how much I learn from people that I serve. What have you learned from the kids that you serve? Just the resilience. Yeah. You know, we talk about kids being resilient. Um, but, you know, when I listen to my daughter whine about, you know, not wanting to walk to school, I think, you know, but you can walk. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. and some of these kids can't, yet they, they swim and they do Taekwondo and they want to participate. And it's just amazing. And the, the inner strength and the adaptation and resilience that these kids have is remarkable. Really remarkable. Mm-hmm. What is it about uh, running a small charity or what is an aspect of running a charity? It's not small, a charity um, that maybe people don't understand or know. Well, it, it's interesting that um, it just 
that whole the question because I sit on a peer group of CEOs of mid-sized companies and I'm the only not-for-profit mm. represented in this peer group. And, you know, they, they talk about very different things, but I tell them, you know, I manage a $6 million budget down to $2,000. Wow. <laughs> right? wow. like, I have to manage it that closely yeah. um, just, just because. And they're like, how do you do that? And it's, it, you know, it's, that's, that's our challenge is that we need to account for, you know, every nickel and make sure it goes to the right place, make sure it can be properly accounted for, make sure it's going to the kids. You know, there's overhead costs, of course, as well. But uh, just being able to manage it right down to the dollar is, uh, is something that people uh, expect out of a charity, but don't appreciate how hard it can be sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And also the dependence on your team, of obviously, as well, right? Just it, a team makes a charity work and makes it function in the day-to-day of, of just operating, would you say? There is no question. There yeah. is no question. And um, you really, I've realized that. That's, again, one of the benefits I've had of being at this charity is that you really realize you don't do anything on your own. It's the entire team and the donors and the community that make my job possible. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return with Karen, we're going to delve into some of the hot issues uh, around Toronto. I want to hear your take on them, Karen. This is Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. Stay with us. We're back with Karen Stintz, former city councillor and now president and CEO of Variety Village and Variety, the children's charity. Uh, Karen, the story of the 18 girls that were charged with the swarming death of uh, a homeless man in our city is quite disturbing. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you heard the story? Well, it just, it's, it, you know, it is disturbing and so um, surreal, really, yeah. to think that these girls, they, they didn't even really know each other except online. And uh, I actually, I talked to my kids about it. My kids are 16 and 18. Mm. And I said, is there something... Because, you know, to be honest with you, I can't keep up with all of their apps and TikTok yep. and all that. I'm like, I, I just can't. But I said, is there something going on that I need to know about that's, that's circulating online that would prompt these young girls to do this? And uh, they assured me that wasn't the case. But, mm-hmm. you know, you just you start to wonder, like, what, how, how on earth did they, they come together with the idea of causing this, this horrible crime? And, you know, there was, whether they intended to kill someone, I don't know, but they clearly intended to cause mischief because they, they met downtown and had sharp objects and had, had, I mean, I, I mean, I say clearly, I don't know, of course, but um, what the mentality was, but by, by all intents and purposes, it would appear as if they, they, they were coming together for the sole purpose of causing mischief. And, you know, kids of course get into trouble, but not that kind of trouble. Yeah. And so it's just, it's really shocking. It's really quite shocking. And, um, and I did have a talk with my kids about that whole idea of um, group mentality and when you stop thinking on your own and how dangerous it can be. And, um, and certainly they were as shocked as I was by it, which I was at least um, then con- confirmed for me that there isn't something more that I need to know. But uh, it is certainly as a parent and uh, as a resident of Toronto and, as a, as a person, it's just so shocking. Yeah, shocking and and really sad. Like, just really and, saddened by the fact that girls as young as 13 could be in this. Now, we know that one of the girls has been released on bail, will be allowed to attend school from what we understand. 
How long uh, will it take, you think, before the other girls are released? And and what does the conclusion of this look like? I mean, you know, again, these girls are so young. They're formative, right? Uh, is jail time the answer? Um, obviously, there needs to be some mental health uh, assistance as well. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, you know, by and large, um, I am of the belief that jail is not the right place for people to rehabilitate Um, jail is kind of a last resort and so for these girls I don't think putting them in jail at this stage um, is to your point during their formative period is is probably ideal for the long-term outcome Um, certainly there needs to be consequences for the behavior and it needs to be real but I you know until they're convicted I, I don't think jail is the right place for them so I know I know bail the whole concept of being out on bail is a bit um, it is a controversial topic mm-hmm. right now, yeah. but but I, I for these girls, I think that really the right place for them is not is not jail or juvie, but um, but certainly to have to, to to have consequences for their actions is is required. Yeah, and, and some mental health care. I hope that in yeah. in the time that this young woman is out, that there is you know some psych- psychiatric help as well yeah. in this. Uh, n- no question, because whatever led to the decision to be part of that. Um, to your point, it, it, there needs to be some support there because that wasn't rational thinking at all. Yeah, Karen, we've uh, recently had you on Toronto Today to talk about the uptick in crime, and you told Greg ba- Brady the system just doesn't seem safe anymore. Would you recommend people avoid transit? I mean, you were on the board for uh, three years. Um, is it is it safe? What needs to happen to turn the TTC around? Well, it's, you know, it's one of those things I, I was, um, you know, talking about. And I think the thing that will make it feel safe is when people do return mm, to the system. Okay. Um, you know, my, my experience getting on the system, which made me feel less safe, was I, I got on at Young and Eglinton. And, you know, there, there's a person sheltering in the station. And then I took the subway downtown and there's a you know gentleman behaving erratically and has a crack pipe mm. that he drops on the on the, 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 the subway, you know, and then I get off the station and I'm, you know, walking around downtown and there's people camped out of park, yeah. right? So it's not, it's not just the TTC. It's just the fact that, you know, everywhere seems to be, um, it just, there's just, we've lost that sense of order. Yeah. And I think that the only way that we regain that is to reclaim those public spaces and to say like, it is actually okay to be on the subway. We need to return to transit constantly and by more people returning, that will increase our collective sense of safety. But then when you hear of case after case of people being hurt, harmed, uh, stabbed, um, even employees as well, um, yeah. how, do, how does that give somebody confidence to say, yes, I'm going to brave the better way and get on when, you know, you just described seeing a, a gentleman with a, a crack pipe? I mean, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in the system. No, I know. And it, it is, it's one of those, you, you know, uh, you just, it, it is, you're right. It's a tough conversation and yeah. it's, it's tough to tell people because, you know, certainly my experience is, okay, I'll drive ne- next time, except driving is awful as well. Yeah. Like the city has made it completely impossible to drive downtown. So it, it is um, something that, you know, and again, more visible presence, I think in the short term, definitely of constables and um, TTC officials to, to, to be present and to be visible, I think help restore the public confidence somewhat. And um, if, you know, I don't, I don't know 
what kind of supports are needed for the individuals that are, you know, sleeping in the subway station, but that needs to be addressed as well because the subway station is not the right place for someone to be sleeping and to be housing. We have a couple minutes left, uh, Karen, and I really want to hear your thoughts on the strong mayor powers. What are your thoughts on, on that? Do you, do you feel that um, John Tory should have strong mayor powers? Well, John Tory's always had strong mayor powers. Hmm. You know, every mayor has, you know, they set the agenda. And yes, they do have to get the votes through council. But, you know, certainly in my time at council, it was always clear the mayor had the power. If you wanted something done, you needed to have the mayor's support. And um, it, but to go to the extreme where he only needs one third of council to mm-hmm. approve something, I think is an extremely dangerous precedent. And what I think is even more dangerous is that, you know, in the criticism about the strong mayor powers, John has internalized it and thinks it's about him. It has nothing to do with him. Yeah. It, it's about how we want our city governed because this, this situation and these powers will last long after he's no longer mayor. And it is an extremely dangerous precedent Well, I agree. I think we have to think broader. And what does this mean for future mayors? So my question to you is, you were around during the Rob Ford years. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask you? What do you think it would have been like with Rob having strong mayor powers back then? Oh, my goodness gracious. I can't even imagine. Um yeah, because there's there's no question he would have probably declared the transit issue a provincial issue and then only needed one third of council. And the reality is he didn't have the plan. Yeah. So, you know, we would have been, as much as the Eglinton Crosstown is causing us a headache, it never would have been built. Mm. Thank you so much, Karen, for your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Good luck on the New Year's resolution. Thank you very much. Take care. <laughs> That was Karen Stins, former city councillor, president and CEO of Variety Village and Variety, the children's charity. This is Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.